Good morning, good morning, good morning. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. If you use an actual paper Bible, it's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. If you use an electronic Bible, I don't know how far away through your electronic Bible that is. But um, Also, if you're in need of a Bible, um, in your chair in front of you, there are some paperback Bibles Feel free to take one of those with you. Um, if you have like seven at home and they're all collecting dust, please don't add another one to your collection. Uh, but if you don't have one at home, we'd love to provide that for you. That is uh, totally okay. You're not stealing from the church or anything like that. Um, no lightning bolts will come down or awkwardness will ensue. Man, I know you've noticed that I haven't been wearing my glasses. I broke them. So I've been wearing my contacts, which means this thing has formed my head with glasses on and... Um, it's not formed with that. So if I keep on playing with it, I apologize. It's one of my pet thieves. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I'm sorry. Um, it just needs... That's going to work great, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, before we get started too far into our message, I want to talk about baptism just for a second. Uh, our view of baptism is basically it's a believer's full dunking uh, immersion. Uh, baptism is actually in this thing right here. But what that looks like for us is it requires two things. It is a repentance of our heart, a repentance of who uh, in the sins that, and the junk that used to weigh on our lives and saying, God, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm repenting or turning away from that. And then it is a saying, hey, community, hey, believers, I need your help in living this Christian life the best I possibly can. And so that's how we view baptism and how we, we work with that. Uh, some of us have been baptized as infants. Some of us are baptized at maybe at an early age, and, um, and we kind of have lost that feeling. I know if uh, you grew up in a different uh, denomination, um, that looks differently for you. But for us, for here and this church, that's what it looks like, is to say, I'm repenting of my stuff, God, and I'm changing my life. But also, I want to walk in this community and say, hey, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. Because anybody who's been a Christian for more than five minutes knows this is not as easy as I was hoping it would be, right? Um, and that's what the church, the beauty of the church. The church is here, ideally, to build each other up, not to tear down. And that's what we're here for. So if you're interested in baptism or maybe you're going, hey, that, that sounds exactly like what I need, uh, please talk to me about that. Or you can just put it on here, put your name, baptism, on a connection card. And the offering plates are actually going to go around again later today. Not for an offering. Don't be like, well, Jared really needs money. Um, <laughs> just for something else that we're doing today. Um, or, or for glasses. I need, Jared, Jared needs new glasses. Uh, so take up an offering. Or just leave them on your, uh, your chair. Uh, that really threw me off. That's fine. Um, all right. So summer... It is almost over, and I see some teachers have come back, and they're like, they have this petrified look on their face. I don't want to. Don't make me. You know, my mother-in-law, who works for school systems, she gets really, really cranky that last week of July. You know, it's really cranky, because, and then her children um, don't help her at all in that, because we're pointing and laughing at her pain. Uh, But, uh, you know, if you have kids, you know that summer is here, and summer is going on, because... Some point in summer, you had this sentence come out of their mouth. I'm so... And didn't you want to smack them? Right? I'm not advocating violence. I'm just saying you might have, might have felt that way. And I'm so bored. And it's summertime. It's gorgeous outside. It's rained, what, twice? 
right? It's been no, it hasn't gotten over 90 all summer long. Like from the person who lived in Georgia the last 10 years, this is paradise right now, right? This is wonderful. I actually do yard work. <laughs> what is that? Because you're not sweating so much. I love it out here. The summer's great. If I was a kid, it'd be like, hey, get outside. My neighbor offered to let us, uh, he said, hey, when you moved in, you guys can use our swing set anytime you want to. Don't think he was signing up for four hours a day every day. <laughs> so I went over there. I was like, hey, are you, you sure? Yeah, it's great. Oh, okay. So it's funny. Um, I'm so bored. And we ask our kid, well, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you done this? Have you done that? No, 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 no. I just listed off something I've spent thousands of dollars on, your Xbox and you know, the, you read this book or play with that toy or do all these things, <clears throat> and you haven't done any of them. How are you bored when you haven't tried anything? Right? How are you bored when you haven't, you haven't done anything like this? But that's the default of, of even kids. What it really means is I'm not doing what I want to do, so I'm just going to say I'm bored. As Christians, I think sometimes when we look at the Christian life and we're honest with ourselves, we go, I'm so bored. And so my question to that is, have you served inside the church? Have you served outside the church? Have you worshipped in a way that you don't usually worship? Have you read the Bible in a way that you don't really usually do? Do Have you read the Bible at all? Have you prayed in, in different ways? Have you prayed at all? Have you tried any of these things? No, 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 no. So why are you bored? Because I haven't done anything. And I, I just think about that, and I look at my own life, and I go... When I'm getting caught up in it, and I'm kind of like, oh, just doing the routine and just going through the rote stuff. I look at Christianity, and I look at the Bible, and I look at Jesus, and I look at what he's been teaching us this, this summer through the scripture, and going, if I'm bored, that, it's, it's the opposite of what I should be. Christians are invited to leave mediocrity behind and expected to participate in the story of God. Folks, if I'm participating in the story of God, I, can be, I cannot ever be bored. If I'm participating in this story, if I'm fully invested into what God is doing in our community and in our families and in our lives, how could I ever be bored? And some of us find ourselves in a spot where I just kind of show up to church or I, I go to work and I, I do my normal routine. But if I, just, if I was going to rate my life from one to five, I'm just going to... Mmm, five, vanilla. But we are invited to leave mediocrity behind and expected to participate in the story of God. That is his plan, as weird as that sounds, as like, are you sure, God, you know what you're doing because you want me to do something? Do you know me? Even the, the one, the being who knitted you together in your mother's womb expects you and wants you and made you that way to participate in his story. And that can be nothing but exciting. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Which means this. That doesn't mean that you're going to have a safe life. That doesn't mean you're going to have an easy life. It means that you have a full life life. And if I'm praying for my kids, yeah, I'm, I'm very tempted to pray that they would have a safe life. I'm very tempted that they would have a, a rich life. I'm very tempted to pray that they would have an easy life. But if, I, if I'm honest with myself, I want them to have a full, beautiful life. 
It's a life of joy and a, a life of excitement and a, love of, a life of love and a life of peace. But to get any of those things, I don't know if any of them are easy or safe. Jesus has come so that we may have life and have it to the full. Today I want to talk about taking steps into what it looks like to have an exciting life. We've been doing Jesus is healing, Jesus is purpose, Jesus is blank, blank, all summer long in this Life at the Lake series. But today it is Jesus is exciting. This week I've been struck with fear and paralyzed by it and been fighting it all week long. I don't know about you. I preached on how to deal with storms of life last week. So, of course, waves are going to start crashing in. I mean, my first teaching point was when we start focusing in on the waves, then we lose sight of what, who Jesus is, was last week. And so all week this week, I just felt like waves were crushing me and waves were fall- coming on. And all I could look at was the waves and the waves and the waves. And I'll be honest with you, I was struggling to keep my sight on Jesus. We're going to talk about, a little bit more about that take from last week's message and just kind of build a little bit more on that. And a story that we all probably know or at least heard of. It's one of the neatest stories in the Bible. It occurs in three out of the four uh, Gospels. And so it's a great uh, story. And it's also one of the, this is really interesting where it's placed. It's one of the most um, criticized, like, oh, that couldn't have happened. And it's Jesus walking on the water. The problem with, oh, that couldn't have happened, is the story right before it is Jesus feeding 5,000. So, like, if you're not going to, if the same guy can feed 5,000 people, you sure he can't walk on water? Because that sounds like a, a, I don't know. If you're going to believe, you can't believe one and take out the other or whatnot. But it's, it occurs in three of the Gospels. I don't think, it's one of the beauties about the Gospels is they're written by different people at even actually different times. And when they're writing them, they're going, hey, uh, that one's got to be in there. And, but they're not talking to each other, and they're not going, oh, oh you got that sentence? We got this sentence. But they're telling the same story in the same way, at the same, in, in different places, actually hundreds of miles away from each other. It's one of the beauties and the reliability of the Gospels. Anyway, I can talk about that. We're going to have Bible classes going on in this fall, and if you want more of that stuff, we can get really, really, really into that. Or I'll be talking for the next three hours on Matthew 14, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But anybody else have the Ghostbusters theme playing in their head? (laughs) Now you do. (laughs) But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. 
There are a lot of implications about this story, but we're going to kind of go through a few of them today. Last week, we talked about uh, how it looks like when we look at the waves instead of um, Jesus. And peace is only elusive when we concentrate on the waves. And that's what the disciples are kind of doing. They're concentrating on the wind and the waves and the, the storm that is a brewing on the Sea of Galilee. They, they focus in on that and are starting to get worried. And then they see this ghost and they're like, what's going on? I don't, okay, how, how, how's this? And it's not a ghost, it's Jesus. But only one of them has the chutzpah, if you will, the courage to say, well, I want to do that. Only one of them takes their eyes off the circumstances that they're in and says, that looks awesome. And it is amazing to me to think about that Peter, who's not divine, who doesn't have this whole cosmic, fully human, fully divine thing going on, that sure, if he wants to defy gravity, he can. Peter doesn't have any of that. Peter just, okay, and walks on water. And I thought, and I've been thinking this week, what does it take? What kind of person does it, does it take to instead of focusing on all the circumstances of why I can't do something, focus on, on why can't I do that if I keep my eyes on Jesus? When the wave comes, Instead of getting seasick, we walk on them. Now, waves, we've talked about this a lot this year, but water in general is the epitome of fear in the ancient world. It is uncontrollable. People don't really know how to swim. It's not like you go to the Y and get swim lessons in the ancient world. You don't have life preservers like we have life preservers. You don't have uh, you know, survival suits, or you don't have all these different things that make water a little less scary. However, my kids are in the middle of learning how to swim right now. They're doing the life jackets come off for when they can touch, and then they go back on. And then Bowen was trying to swim around the boat yesterday, but the end of the boat was where he couldn't touch. And it was like, okay, Daddy's following you because that's really scary. Because it just takes a moment, right? We've all, parents, had that feeling of, whoop, ah, uh, where'd they go? Oh, I'm right here. I've got a Dorito in my mouth. What's the matter? <laughs> but we all have those fears and, we, and the, those ideas, but water, you know, still has that, that feeling of petrifying us. And it's still that feeling of, it can strike fear, especially into a parent, but people all had that kind of fear, especially the Sea of Galilee where these storms could whip up really fast and tip over your boat and, and drown you all the time. And so the Sea of Galilee and water in itself had this feeling of this is the untamable, this is the uncontrollable, this is the scary stuff. And so by Jesus walking on it and by Peter walking on it is saying everything that I fear, the worst that nature can throw at me is under my feet. Do you hear that? That the worst that, that nature can be at me, it's under my feet. The worst of the, the uncontrollable, the worst of the fears, the worst of the I don't know what's going to happen, the worst of I can't, I can't uh, manage that is under my feet. See, Jesus here sees opportunity in the waves. Jesus sees opportunity in 
the waves. I don't know. I don't. You know, I don't know how Jesus looked at this. I don't know how Jesus felt about it. If he was walking by, because it's like five, six o'clock in the morning when he's walking by, he's expecting the guys to be over there, and he's just kind of like, "Well, they kind of stranded me. I kind of told them to." What had happened was John the Baptist got killed, got beheaded. Jesus had fed the five thousand. You can understandably imagine that the human side of Jesus is just emotionally drained. Like you have this, the low of lows and the high as a high. So your cousin just got killed and then you fed 5,000 people. This would be the human side of you, right? Um, and so he goes, guys, I'm going to go to the mountain. I'm going to pray. You guys go on the other side. No one asks, well, how are you going to, okay, uh, we'll get over there. They just go. So Jesus is having his alone time and he is walking on the water. Which must have been really cool. Like, I, I don't know what, just a little stroll. Uh, so, <laughs> walking on the water. And he's going on, and there, somewhere, the boat is to the side of them. So the boat is over here, and they see him. Now, I don't know if Jesus is thinking, hey, this is a great leadership development moment where I can walk by and see if they want to jump out of the boat or not. I don't know if he was hoping that all 12 would be like, whoa, let's go, run into Jesus. Then he'd have to be like, Peter, you left the boat, and it's going. You know, we're going to chase it around the Sea of Galilee. You can see 12 men running around the surface. of. You guys don't think about that when you read the Bible? Huh, about that. Um, but you have this idea of uh, Jesus is walking through the, uh, on there. And I have to, as a former youth pastor, I got into places like this before. As you kind of present a situation in which you're hoping your students will show leadership. And one of the times, I didn't present the situation. I want to be very clear about that. But I, I want to tell you about a story um, that I didn't tell any of the parents when I worked there, uh, this story. But we were on a camping trip with 20 to 30 of my leadership students. We went to uh, a, state, uh, a state campground, and it was also prom weekend for one of the local schools. And so we have all of our tents set up, and we were having a good old time. We're on this peninsula, so we're away from everybody else. And all of a sudden, we hear the splashing. And we're like, oh, well, that's interesting. Okay. I'm going, okay, somebody's having fun going for a midnight swim. I look around, do a head count of my kids. They're all, all my kids are great. Like, not getting fired today. <laughs> so I look around and all my kids are good and they're around the campfire and they're having a good old time. And, and the splashing gets more and more. And you could definitely tell it's teenagers having a good time. And some prom kids who had decided to camp out that night. Well, next thing I know, my students are getting propositioned to come skinny dipping with these other prom kids. Now we're getting into nightmare mode, right? Now I'm back to getting fired. But we're, we're, we're sitting here and I'm like, okay, I wonder how this is going to go. What is going to happen here? What's going to be the reaction? And so, yeah, I could have said, hey, why don't you get out of here? We don't want to been that old guy. That'd been awesome, right? And so I said, wait, what are my kids going to do? What are these, my leadership students going to do in this moment? You know, I got 10, 16, 17-year-old boys. They're like chomping at the bit to go. I know what they're thinking. The, the, you could see the war of flesh going on inside their heads. And one of them stands up and says, no, we're good. Are you sure you want to come? No, we're doing a church thing. You want to come? Go, go put your clothes on and come join us. And they're like, and all of a sudden the water got really quiet. <laughs> and they walked away and I was like, Someone stood up. It didn't have to be the old guy being mean, and he handled it probably better than I did. Because I'd have been like, go home. 
But I was so proud that one of my students stood up and said, no, no, no. You want to go you know, get your clothes on and come over here and hang out with us? And they stood up for that. You know, the proudness of that? Back to Jesus. He's walking past the boat. Is he wondering? I don't know. I mean, he knows all. I understand this. Um, it's not a crisis of faith for Jared here. He knows all, but is also is he trying to get these guys, hey, will you step out of that boat with me? Because I'm going to ask you to start a church. I'm going to ask you to start a whole religious movement. I'm going to ask you to be the epicenter of changing the world. So will you get out of the boat with me? And so he's walking by. I don't know if maybe there were other times that just didn't get recorded that he's like doing some weird walking around and no one noticed the, the, the phantom walking past on the boat. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I'm not making up new gospels. But this particular time, Jesus is walking by and Peter's like, hey, is that, is that, is that you, Jesus? Yeah. Can, can, I, can I come out? <laughs> you can imagine the excitement of that. Everybody else is flipping out because the wind's rocking the boat and it's going out and he's like, um, can, I, can I come out there with you? Come on, Peter. And for a second, we don't know how long. It just says until he noticed the wind. We don't know how far away Jesus is. Sound and sight carries a long way on water. He could have been going 50 yards. He could have been going 100 yards. We don't know how long. But he is walking on water. Yeah, he fails. Yes, he gets in the water. Yes, he falls down. Does any of us care? Do you think the disciples are like, oh, you fell into the water. <laughs> right? No one's running their mouth. You walked on water. It doesn't matter that they, he fell in. It doesn't matter that he's drenched wet. Because at the end of the day, he's the only guy in history who got to walk on water. For some of us, I think sometimes we get paralyzed by the fear. What if I fail? What if I try something epic? What if I try something, anything? What if I try inviting my friends? What if I try inviting my coworkers and they laugh at me and they judge me or they do like this? Whoa, 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 you tried. You were the one who tried to walk on water. Who cares if you fail? For a long time, I've been petrified by the idea of, oh, well, you know, Jesus is going to give up on me. Oh, you loser, I'm going to let you drown. Does he let Peter drown? No. He grabs him. And I have to read into that. He says, oh, you little faith. But he's got to be happy. You're the one that got out of the water. Oh, you, you almost had it, man. You almost had it. What are the things in our life that we kind of, we watch the boat rock and we pay attention to the wind. But Jesus is really saying, hey, come out here. Come out here to the greatest adventure of your life. Come out here to experience something more exciting than you've ever dreamed of. Jesus sees opportunity in the waves. See, the rest of the guys stay in the boat, but that's really just an illusion of safety. I think sometimes we say, no, we're not going to do that because of this. Listen, folks, your job is just an illusion of safety. It can be all taken away tomorrow. You all know people who thought they had jobs and they were solid and they were gone the next day and you're like, oh, okay, now what am I going to do? That's just an illusion. But keeping our eyes on Jesus, by locking eyes with Jesus, stay steady. It's only when Peter remembers that he can't be doing what he's doing that he fails. Like when he remembers that I'm participating in a mystery now that he fails, as long as he locks eyes with Jesus and says, all right, Jesus, 
We can do this. That's when he succeeds. And I, that blows me away. Only he, when he remembers he's not supposed to do this does he fail. And I think about most of the successful things that we do in life, especially for Jesus. They all have no reason to succeed. We should be failing at that. We should be failing at this, but we're not. Why? Because God did it. It's only when we remember that we're not supposed to do that do we start to sink in our own waves. We started saying something around the office this week, and I want to bring it to you. Don't focus on why we can't, but why we must. Don't focus on why we can't, but why we must. It's real easy for me to say all the reasons I can't do something. Right? That, that can come out of my mouth really, really fast. We can't do that because of this, money or time or resources or talent or all these things. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't, I can't do that. I can't. No, no, no. But at the end of the day, why must we? Because the must outweighs the can't every time. We must do things with excellence. We must invite people to church. We must invite people to experience new life in Christ. Why? Because hell is the alternative. Don't tell me why you can't. But why must we? Don't focus on why we can't, but why we must. See, Peter fails at trying hard. He fails epically. I don't know if he got to make a cannonball before he slipped under. I don't know what he got to do. But at the end of the day, he's the only guy that ever got to walk on water. At the end of the day, he wasn't... Jesus didn't let him slip under. Jesus grabbed his hand and pulled him up. Jesus wasn't done with him. Peter becomes the guy in which the whole Christian movement moves forward after Jesus is ascended into heaven. Peter becomes the pillar or the rock in which the church will be built. Is it because he's the guy that had the courage to get out of the boat? Today I want to give you an opportunity to maybe get out of your own personal boat. If you noticed in your, uh, on your seats in front of you, you've had all these invite cards in your worship folder. If you didn't open your worship folder today, now would be an awesome time to do that. But anyway, we have these really nice flyers <clears throat> printed up. This is end of summer block party, in which we're having here at the church. There's five of them there. There's a reason there's five. If you want more, take more. You can ha- we got a bunch of printed up, so you can have more than just five. But there's intentionally five placed there for a specific purpose. Now, this is a very non-threatening way to get your friends, your coworkers, and your family here on the service. The time put on here is not even the service time. It's when the party starts. If you want to add, hey, if you want to come to church, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. It's over in an hour. Good times. That's okay. But all this is is an invitation to the party. End of summer block party right here. What those uh, things are is I want to invite you to do something called give five. Give five. Now the elders have been challenged to do this and so have, uh, if you came to elevate, you were challenged to do this as well. Now I want to challenge the whole church to do this. Give five. What that means is you need to give an invitation to the church or to someone, to five people, and I want you to invite them five times for five weeks and pray for, oh, sorry, pray for them for five weeks, five minutes a day 
five days a week. So if you're just confused, just do it five times and you'll be okay. Right? Five, you have five of these. So each one of these cards has a name on it. Maybe they have the same name on it. That'd be really cool if Chris Moore started handing out these and Vince handed it to the same person and Paul Oswald handed it to the same person. And they're like, man, God, leave me alone here, right? That's okay. That's okay if you're inviting the same person. It's all right. Maybe your spheres of influences overlap. That's okay. Bug them to death until they come to church just to get you off the back. Jesus can take care of that. Jesus can deal with an annoyed person. I promise you. All right? Into summer block party. Basically, this is your first easy invite. This is an easy, non-threatening way to get somebody to church, right? Free food, free stuff for your, for your kids. You're speaking my language. You get to entertain, you're entertaining my kids and I get to eat things? Awesome, right? There's five of them there for one for each one of your people. Uh, pray for them. This is, invite them uh, five times. Don't just give up after the first time. It's kind of stalking, I understand that, but, but invite them five times because there's always, I can't make it, I'm out of town that week, or you know, so-and-so's wedding's that week, or whatever. Okay, that's a valid excuse. You got four more chances to bug them, right? And so as I started thinking about that, I want, I want to make opportunities that makes it easy for you all to do this, to participate in your five times. And so I just want you to pick five people to start praying for. Because this is a huge, valuable part of this time, is pray for them. Be intentional about them. Pray for them for five minutes a day. I guarantee you, folks, if you pray for a specific person for five weeks, for five minutes a day, things will happen. I don't necessarily care. I don't care if they come to this church. I care if they go to a church, right? If we are a catalyst endeavor for someone else in the community, sweet, Right? I really don't care. I would love to see this church full. But if you know what? We're helping the church down the street get full. Jesus, he's like, that's a wonderful. So what I want to participate in this, guys, I want you all to participate in this. Is it clear? Pick five people to invite five times and to pray for them for five weeks, five minutes a day, Five days a week. I had to put the five days a week on there because Kelly wouldn't let me only have four fives. So if you want, if you want, if you want to have extra credit, you can pray for them seven days a week. I know it's not a five, but you can do that as well. What I want to challenge you to do today is on your connection cards, we restocked all the chairs with a bunch of connection cards. If you would please participate in this inviting five people, if you are willing to take up that challenge, write on a connection card, just get, put your name and the accurate email address. That might be different than the one you gave the church. Um, put your name and an email address and give five on the back. And I would love to send you weekly reminders and weekly encouragement. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, I want you to participate in this. Uh, because I know I get distracted by life, right? I get, to, as the, the pastor, the guy who's supposed to do this stuff, I get distracted by kids and by all the to-do lists. I want to send uh, reminders of that, okay? So if you are willing to take up the challenge of inviting people to uh, the end of the block party, but also just to church, we have a lot of really neat things getting ready to happen here as we hit back into the school year. That I want you to be encouraged to do that. This idea of an exciting life 
It gets real exciting when you start to see lives change, when your friends' eternity changes, when addicts aren't addicts anymore, when things happen in people's lives, when God says, hey, I'm going to start to mold you, and I'm going to start to shape you, I'm going to start to give you new life. That is, there is nothing more exciting than being a part of that. Um, so I want to give you an opportunity to do that. The ushers will come forward here uh, when we sing our next song. But right now we're going to watch a video to challenge us to take this to the next level. Also, this will be the last time that I ever uh, ask Kevin, is my hair okay for a video? You'll understand in a second. One of the most captivating stories in the New Testament is when Peter gets to walk on water. Jesus is walking on water. There's a huge storm going on. Jesus starts coming out to the boat. And Peter, being who Peter is, says, hey, I, w- I want to I do that. That makes sense. Let's, let's walk on water. And the rest of the disciples are in the middle of the storm, in the middle of a boat smaller than this one. And they're going, what is Peter doing? What is Jesus doing? What is going on? This is crazy talk. And Peter gets to stand up and he looks at Jesus walking on a stormy water. Nothing like this. It would have been huge waves. And he somehow thinks that he can walk on water too because his master is walking on water. That Jesus is walking on water. And when I think about that, when I, when I think about the Christianity... I think about the life that I'm living in Christianity. Am I living kind of a life that can walk on water? Because what that is to me is an exciting kind of life. A life that trusts God so much that I could walk on water. That I really could do this. And if we're honest with ourselves, is Christianity even in the realm of that kind of exciting? Is exciting a word we even use when we talk about Christ? When we talk about Jesus? When we talk about this thing we do on Sunday morning, is it a lifestyle that is exciting? And so today, I guess the challenge is, the, the idea is, is life with Jesus exciting? Because I know what I want to do. I know what I want, I, what my soul yearns for, is I want to walk on water. I want to I take a step of faith and walk on water. So we're going to try that today. We're going to walk on water. What does it look like if we We took these steps and walked on water. I didn't walk on water, by the way. I epically failed and even cut my foot. Uh, But it's okay, I tried hard, right? And that's the point, is let's try this, let's do this, let's invite people. Because guess what? Every invitation is an invitation to new life. Every invitation to come participate in this church is saying, hey, I care about you more than you realize. Because the, the invitation to someone to, hey, be a part of my church, isn't just to come to this club that I have. Come, come to an opportunity in which your very life can be shaken and changed and made better. Come to an opportunity where your eternity can change. That's what you're inviting people towards. That's what you're, you're participating in. So ushers, come on forward. If you, have, uh, if you fill out your card, please have your email address and uh, give five on the back if you want to participate in that. If you don't, it's okay. Um, and, uh, but really want you to, to, to take this step. And uh, if you need more cards, there's, there's more cards under the TV out in the back. Also, this is very important. 
Uh, if we're inviting all these people, we have to make sure we have enough food and volunteers for them. So please sign up in the sheet, uh, in the, on the sheets underneath the TV uh, because I know you all have some famous casserole that you want me to try, and I would love to oblige you in that. So get that here uh, that day. I'm going to, like, gain 10 pounds on, uh, on, on block party day, and that is perfectly okay. Gaining weight for Jesus. It's all right. <laughs> That's the title of our next ser- series. Uh, <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. God, I ask you to help us get out of the boat. For the fear that we have in our hearts, the fear that we have even in our minds, as I even challenge people, God, I know that Satan was trying to, to, to mess people up. They're like, oh, I can't do that there. I'd get fired. Oh, I can't do that there. They, they, would, they would judge me. Oh, my HOA would get mad at me if I started knocking on doors. God, I just ask you to remove all that, that people would take the steps of faith and get out of their boats. God, we see you moving. We see you walking by. And I don't want to be scared of the boat rocking. I want to take the opportunity of a lifetime to get out of the boat and to walk towards you. God, if I fail, can I make a big splash? God, I love you. I love these people. And right now, God, I just ask you to place a burning passion for the people around us for the people on our street. Lord, that as we pray right now, that faces and names would pop into our heads. That we go, I make us, God, that we can't sleep at night because they're imprinted on our souls so much that we have to pray for them. We have to invite them. We have to serve them. We have to care for them. God, will you bug us with that? Will you give us divine irritation? Lord, we love you. We ask for courage. We ask for stamina. We ask for the willingness to expose our hearts and ourselves, to even maybe have a door shut in our face. But God, the price is too high. It's worth doors being shut in our faces. It's worth no's. Because we're talking about souls. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about real life. Lord, we love you and we praise your name. Amen.